Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And today on my 15th episode, I have father and son combo, uh, head coach and QB1 from the Oak Bank Sabres, Tom and Tommy Wallace. How are you guys doing? Great, Coach. Thanks for having us on, Coach. No problem. I'm excited for today. So, Tommy, I've been working with you for a little bit now. You've been working at Big Air. Um, I'm interested, uh, what do you like about, you know, quarterback training, uh, maybe training at Big Air, maybe some of the things that you're currently working on to improve your game? I think what I like most about quarterback training is the mechanical aspect, how one small tweak in your form can make a whole world of change on your release. Um, and I think with Big Air, the thing I like most is you get used to throwing to a whole bunch of different receivers. So you can work with all speeds and sizes. In terms of your mechanics, what is there anything specifically you're working on right now? Uh, right now, I'm really working on my drop mechanics. I tend to stall on my steps two and three, so I'm st- I'm trying to get that out of my system. Uh, how about you, coach? You you know, being a head coach, you know, I think maybe sometimes uh, you know head coaches are reluctant to have their their players and and maybe their son attend other people's camps and get coached by other people. So uh, I'm interested, you know, you, you made some pretty nice comments last fall uh, when we were out on the field, just about the atmosphere and the guys and kind of enjoying their, their time and laughing and having fun. So, you know, as that head coach, what was it about, you know, signing Tommy up for big air? Were, were you reluctant in doing that at all? No, you know, I wouldn't say reluctant. Uh, Chris Johnson had approached me for a couple of years about signing Tommy up, and it really didn't seem like the right time. But last year, it was probably about this time in the spring, I really came to the conclusion that I had done as much as I could do not being a quarterback coach with him. And we were having a session out throwing against the net and I was trying to correct something and he was telling me I was wrong in what I was correcting him. And I didn't know the why behind what I was trying to tell him to do. And it was a really good moment for me to realize that I was kind of at the end of my road in what I could actually coach him. And I needed to call in some experts. I think it was just, it might even that day, I got another email from Chris asking if Tommy would be interested. Um, but what I've liked the most about Big Air, besides the mechanics and besides the becoming more proficient, mm-hmm. is I really like the atmosphere that he's been exposed to. I like him working with the older kids, some younger kids, and I think it's really opened the door to some realizations that there is a lot of life in football after high school. Like you said, it's it's an atmosphere where there's a lot of uh, kind of a natural mentorship. You know, it's kind of uh, formed itself into that with the older and the younger guys all working together. For me to uh, to create a place where people can have fun in the uh, you know the the detail oriented stuff, but also in an environment that's you know fun living and you know guys are having a good time and cracking jokes and enjoy being there. So that means a lot to me to hear that from you. Um, Coach, I'd like to get into your playing background. Uh, can you uh, can you talk about your playing days and kind of where you're from and the history of Tom Walls? <laughs> well, we'll give you the really abridged version. Sure. Um, so I'm an American, and I played high school football in upstate New York, and that would have been the late 80s when uh, our shoulder pads were too big. And the neck rolls were outside of the jerseys, not under it. We all wore black cleats as well. Nobody wanted to show up in white cleats. 
Um, if you watch the movie Friday Night Lights, that was my generation of football. Um, after that, I was uh, lucky enough to play four years in university at a Division three school. It's far too small to be an offensive guard anywhere than a Delaware wing T system. So I was lucky that I went to a system where they asked me to run around the outside more than to run straight ahead. And then, uh, you know, a couple years after that, I went and had a cup of coffee in the European Club League, playing in a, for a team in Dublin called the Dublin Lightning. And I uh, was even lucky enough to play for the Irish national team in a game against Scotland in, of all places, Birmingham, England. Wow. So, you know, don't, don't, don't ask me to explain how the connections worked there, but they did. I uh, came back home to the States, taught for a couple of years, ended up going overseas and mm -hmm. taught for a year in Korea. And that's where I met my wife, who's Canadian. And uh, we went back to New York where Tommy was born. And I was coaching high school football in New York. And uh, Tommy's mom came home one day after a vacation and said, I want to go back to Winnipeg. And I said, well, I'm an American football coach. Right. I know if they play football in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, coach you, know, coach, you do just one too many players and too much moving on the field. But uh, <laughs> we made the leap. And, uh, you know, we've been here, I guess, 11 years now. And uh, we've and I can't speak for Tommy, but I, it's been a big learning curve for me. I've really learned a lot about football since being here. Back at it for the second quarter with Coach Gies, Coach Tom Walls, and Tommy Walls. So, guys, uh, you know, unfortunately, we had the, the COVID year pandemic season, and uh, we we weren't able to play tackle football this year. Uh, you know, big bummer for all of us, all of us football guys. We're all missing the real game. But, uh, you know, Coach, you had a really successful season in 2019 with your Oak Bank Sabres. Things were really looking up. Uh, I'm interested in in your perspective on the lost season and, and maybe, you know, the lost opportunity with that team that you were potentially going to have? Yeah, uh, it's been a tough year. Um, our inaugural year, we weren't sure really what to expect. We had 33 kids on the squad and 15 of them had come out of the Sunrise Coyotes youth program and we knew them really well. So we had half of the team that were veterans and another half who had never played football before. Uh, but it worked. We went six and one. We really stumbled uh, in the playoffs, but it was a great season. And we only had three great 12s on that team. Wow. And only two of them played regularly. So we were really looking forward to the upcoming season with a very veteran squad of kids who were older and used to winning football games. And so we lost that. And uh, our big concern right now is trying to help those grade 12s find football after high school. At the same time, going back to square one of having 15 kids and trying to get a whole bunch more out of the school that we've already tapped into. I think we've done a good job in the offseason of promoting football and keeping the kids in touch. But, you know, I don't have to tell you, football is different now than it was 20 years ago, or maybe kids are different now than they were 20 years ago. It just we put a sign-up sheet, come play football and have kids flock, flock to it. You have to have a strategy and a program. And so that's kind of where we are. We're going back to square one and figuring out how to build a program. 
for Tommy, you know, you weren't able to play, but you guys were still able to get in some seven on seven with your team. I'm interested in that experience. Uh, any any memorable moments from from just able to get on the field and play a few games with your guys? Yeah, the seven on seven league was really useful because we had so many uh, seniors that missed their season and they still really wanted to play. So we joined the seven on seven league. I think we were practicing two times in a week. Half of those practices were in the snow. Um, <laughs> but you know, every every weekend when we went out there, we had a lot of fun. And I think my favorite memory is. I think week two, we went to go play a North Winnipeg team, okay. and it was a rainy game. Um, we had a terrible start. I think on the second play of the game, they scored on us. Then our first drive on offense, I threw an interception. And then uh, seven-on-seven seven games are really short. It's only about 20 minutes long. Right. Um, so that was like a big deal. And in the last 10 minutes, we pulled it together and won by a score. Oh, that's awesome. Coach, maybe we can get into your coaching story from from the time that you came to Winnipeg in 2010. Yeah, sure. Um I came in before I actually landed here in Winnipeg. Uh, Tommy, our daughter Aiden, and my wife Shandy had moved up here for six months. And Shandy was working at HSC and Tommy and Aiden were in school. And I would come up every month or so to visit. And what I did was I found the Winnipeg High School Football League website. And I started contacting coaches and saying, you know, I'm going to be in for a week. I'm going to be in for a day. Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can we sit down and meet? Because I had no idea how coaching and teaching worked in Canada. In the States, mm-hmm. you're paid to coach. Right. And you're typically a member of the faculty. So I was trying to find some teaching jobs through coaching connections. And as you know, those two things aren't always joined in Canadian football. But one of the first coaches I met was Jeff Morgan. And I know you and Jeff are close friends. And uh, Jeff, I can remember to this day, we sat down at the food mall in Polo Park. <laughs> and I was laughing within five minutes of meeting him. And to this day, Jeff and I are still friends and constantly exchanging Seinfeld text messages <laughs> back and forth. That's he cool. was a really good introduction to coming to, um, coming to Winnipeg. But then I spent a year with Brian Marks coaching at St. John's, and that was another really good introduction. Anybody who knows Brian knows that he's kind of Mr. North End football. And teaching or coaching at St. John's was really a good introduction to Winnipeg. Um, People told me all kinds of really scary things about the area and neighborhood. I never saw it. I saw some great kids who wanted to play football and a really dedicated staff with Brian and Grant McMillan also. Um, the next year I was offered a position at Churchill where I stayed for three years and, um, ended up going to this opportunity here in sunrise when some people in the community approached my wife and I and asked if we would be interested in starting a youth football club in Oak Bank. And and Tommy, how was that when you moved to Canada? How old were you? And what was that whole experience coming from the States to Canada and living in a brand new country? So I was only six years old when we moved, so there's not a whole lot I remember. But um, even when we were in New York, I remember football just always being around me. So my dad coached at Vestal High School, um, and I would go to Vestal games. And as soon as we moved to Canada, it was St. John's or Churchill games. So football has never really been out of the way for me. And Tom, um, in terms of uh, creating or being involved with the Sunrise Coyotes and then later with uh, the Oak Bank Sabres, it's pretty cool that both uh, you and your wife together have kind of taken those ventures on and, and really uh, 
you know, brought football to that community. And I really admire that. I'm interested in kind of what sparked that. And um, the spark for it, like I said, was some people in the community had asked us if we would take this on, but the real spark of it is, is my wife. Um, she was the money person. She was the organization person. She was also the person who would make really hard decisions. She was the person who would tell people no when they requested a transfer because we only had 22 guys on the squad. Um, for all the negative things that she got through social media for having some courage and standing up and not being intimidated, the community got repaid over and over and over again by having a very vibrant youth football program. You know, we sat down the other day and we counted it up and we've had 753 kids come through our program and over 100 adults. We've got our share of provincial championships, including ones that Tommy was on. But coach, we've had a gazillion good moments with kids right in the heart of our community. And, uh, you know, after six years, when the opportunity showed up in the high school with a principal who had a friendly ear towards football, mm-hmm. you know, we couldn't say no to that. And uh, Tommy was of age to start playing high school football. So it's kind of crazy, but all along the lines of coming up here to Canada, like things fell into line for us. I don't know, maybe it's fate, maybe it's karma, but things just seem to work out. Back at it for the third quarter with Coach Tom Walls and Tommy Walls. So, guys, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some offensive philosophies. Some of the things that, you know, I'm a big believer in now, I I don't feel like I have, you know, one certain system that I run. It's kind of a a combination of different things over the years that I've picked up. But uh, philosophically, a few things that I'm really trying to kind of uh, of do within my offense is, is really simplify offensive line assignments. I like to go fast. I like to pick up the tempo. Um, I'm naturally sort of a, a two back, you know, guy, I like two back football, but I'm, I'm trying to find ways that I can implement that in more of a Canadian spread system. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I want to make the reads simple for my quarterbacks. I want his decision-making to be simple and, uh, him to be able to be efficient. So those are some of the things that, you know, I'm working on and within my own offense. So coach, I'm just interested in your offensive systems. We've talked a little bit before, but, uh, you know, interested in your system and maybe some of your offensive philosophies. Okay, so my system is a little bit different, and I think that's what I personally like the most about it. And I've been working with it for about seven years now, and I don't think you find another system like it anywhere else in Canada, maybe a little bit in the United States. Um, and what I like the most about it is I can adjust it to the kids that I have. If I have a strong quarterback, I can easily go into more of a passing set. If I've got a great tailback, I can go into more of a ground game. Or if I even have scat backs, I can do something that goes around the outside more. So, you know, you have to work with an offense long enough that you know it better than the defensive coordinators you're facing. And once you do start to learn it from somebody, then you can make these adjustments with it. Um, As far as an offensive philosophy is concerned – I don't really have one as neat as I've heard people speak on, Mm -hmm. but I guess I would say this, the system that I'm running, its roots are in the Delaware wing T and 
I'm probably always going to do something like that because the what I feel is the difference in a wing T system versus any other system is we rarely ask an offensive lineman to block straight ahead. And that means we're blocking on angles, we're double teaming, we're pulling. And the reason that I feel that's so important is I have yet to be at a high school where I guarantee I'm going to have offensive linemen who are bigger and stronger than my opponents. And, you know, um, quarterbacks are going to come and go. But don't tell him I said this, but I think the offensive linemen are the most important component on a football team. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And it makes it makes complete sense to me in terms of what you're asking the offensive linemen to do assignment based, you know, based upon the athletes that you probably have. So, you know, um, there's a lot, you know, Jeff Morgan the uh, last week was talking about how do you tell that kid that, hey, you got to be our left guard and he's maybe, you know, maybe a DB on defense or something, you know, so. Yeah. Well, you let you let him pull and run out in space is what you do. Yeah, exactly. No, that's smart coaching. I love it. Um, how about uh, how about you guys pull up something for me here and, and screen share and talk me through a couple plays? Sure, and this is going to be probably a good example of some of our differences. He wants to pull up a passing play. Yeah. I want to pull up a running play. <laughs> well, so, let's see well, both. What would you like first? Because you'd probably like a passing play, wouldn't you? No, you know what? I, I'm a fan of the run game. I'm a run first guy, believe it or not. So I, let's let's see them both. All right. Um, rock, paper, scissors. Paper, scissors, shoot. All right. There you go. Run game first. Sure. There we go. Okay, so this is a play from, oh, gosh, I think it may have been our fourth game of the year. Uh, we're the team in red and white, and we're playing a really good, good senior heavy team from maples maples yeah and you can take a look you see they're packing the box I think, and <laughs> okay. you can see they're pulling some guys in tight now what we're going to see on this play this play is my favorite play in the world this is our wingback counter Chris Cross, and i'll stop at a couple of points along and talk but what I really like about this play, besides it being a really good play, is uh, you're going to see three offensive players who understand the why of the play more than just the what of the play. They know what they have to do, but when things don't go according to plan, you're going to see them adjust to it, almost like they're playing basketball. So let me walk you through this a little bit, Coach. I'm going to press play. Okay. So you can see our wing back here who's coming towards the screen. Right. The quarterback is going to give the ball to the tailback as if we were almost running some kind of zone read. That tailback is then going to do another handoff to this wing back who's coming back. Oh, okay. All right. Here's my guard. My guard is supposed to kick out the first man past the tackle. Here is my tackle, opposite tackle. He's doing something we call running the circle meaning he's going to pull and he's going to lead up the hole. But here's what happens. This end is going to pinch down and the guard is going to have to hook him. The tackle is going to have to realize the guard is hooked and he's going to have to go wide and hook the next person. And to make this even more fun, we have the quarterback after he hands off, come out here and lead block. Oh, wow. So we've got three players lead blocking for a counter, and you're going to hear the staff from Maple start yelling reverse, reverse. 
you know, we've been running this play for six years. Okay. If I had a dollar for every time somebody yelled reverse on it, <laughs> it's not a reverse. It's, it's a counter. counter. It's counter. Yeah. It's the hit off tackle. Okay. But um, what I love about this play is how we've got three players who realize something different is going on and they adjust to it. Let's watch that. Sure. Okay, there's your first one. Yep. You see number 40? Yep. That's our guard who's supposed to kick out. Right. He realizes that he's got a hook block. Yeah, That's he logged him in. Job. That's great. That's yep. a really good job. You see his big backside and how it's pointing towards the sideline? Yep. He knows where that runner's going to be. Now, let's watch the tackle. Okay. 62-point tackle. He's made contact and he swiveled his hips to the sideline. He also knows the why of the play. You can see the ball carrier who's inside the circle, and he's breaking out. Now, the last player you need to notice is this one right here. This is my 160-pound grade 10 quarterback who's out leading the play. Watch what he does. Ooh. Okay. Devastating now, coach, block. Yeah, now we realize that this is probably too high of a hit. A little bit. And maybe this gets into a gray area of being illegal mm -hmm. contact. Mm -hmm. But I don't know a lot of quarterbacks who are willing to get out there and throw shoulder blocks and forearms under the chin of defensive <laughs> backs. Very true. This is one of the – and you know what? It's a physical play and rah, rah, rah. You know, nobody's out here teaching people to hurt each other. Don't misunderstand no. me. But what I like about it is you've got three players who know where the ball carrier is eventually going to be, mm -hmm. and they're busting their blocks to it. Oh, I, I... And that's a nice tackle by a really good defensive player that Maples had as well. Uh, Urchioli was his last name, but we had to run the ball away from him most of the game because he was like a hawk making tackles. Yeah, I've heard I've heard good things about him. I coached his cousin at the Rifles running back, Brandon. So. Yes, yes, yes. Played for Transcona, and then he played for Murdoch. He sure did. But, yes, he did, yeah. Uh, this young man for Maples, uh, the Maples had a lot of really good players, and he was one of them. Okay, so this is one of our favorite passing plays. We probably run this the most out of everything. Um, it's going to be play action. We're going to have a sprint out to the right side of the field. I think this is our tight end, and then we have a wing just to the outside of him. And and we're going to have a four-step corner, and we're going to have a chip on the defensive end and then an arrow. So okay. those are our main two routes. And this wide receiver over here is also going to be on a deep cross, and that only gets hit if there's no safety. And, and Tommy, how do you read that play? Do you read it short to deep with the arrow to the corner or the other way, deep to short? So the progression goes from the deep, the corner, to the arrow. Okay. Um, but really it's as simple as if they're in man, um, no linebacker is really going to be fast enough to get out to the wing that quick. Right. So when it's man, it's usually the wing every time. I love that. Okay, let's see it. So the ball's a little bit flat on that one, and the play's actually supposed to come out on a sprint out. Okay. Uh, but the defensive end came to, came up, so I just sat there with it. Absolutely. Let's see the throw. Okay. Coach, I want to add on to this too. Yeah. If Look at that wide out who's now crossing the field. Yeah. He's going to end up in the middle of the field. I like it. Top right in the games, we never throw that. But when we're in practice – that is the first ball he throws every single time. 
he can't resist not being able to throw the deep ball when he gets the chance. No, that's fair. I, I like the formation because uh, can you can you go back to just show me the formation look? Because that wing back, like he's you know potentially just where he is. Sometimes he's going to get matched up on linebackers too, right? So I, I really like the effectiveness of the play, and like you said, with that drag coming across. All three of those routes are really in the QB's vision, right? So it's a very uh, well-designed play. I like it. Well, it's not mine, Coach. You know, I got <laughs> it from a wing T guy, but um, it, it, it's, it's a unique formation. Um, without going too deeply into this, yeah. one side of our offense, we will have a wide out in a slot, pretty okay. traditional Canadian stuff. Yeah. On the other side, we'll have the tight end and the wing, which is pretty traditional American stuff. Mm -hmm. So... Well, what I like about the offense, and it took me a couple of years to realize this, is that I did have to change the American offense to fit Canadian rules. Okay. But this is kind of like a mullet. You know, it's party up front, or no, <laughs> business up front and party in the back. Yeah. Again, not I wouldn't know. Kid, but, but, um, I got no right. party. <laughs> <laughs> that wing and tight end um, can be a challenge for especially Canadian DCs yeah. to uh, figure out. And more often than not, and this plays a really good example mm -hmm. because it's a play action, more often than not, that tight end will get lost in the first quarter. Yeah, exactly. I love it. That's why I, li I like the construction of the play for that reason alone. All right, Tommy. So what was it like to grow up with, you know, your dad being a, a football coach and a pretty serious head coach? What was that environment like? What can you remember? And, uh, you know, how do you think that that's maybe benefited you in your game today? It's definitely been a positive thing for me. Like, as long as I can remember, after practices, we'd be watching film of the practice. Before the practice, we'd be drawing up plays to try. Um, it's just always been something where I'm getting so much more knowledge out of it so I can help other people on the field. Tom, can you, uh, as a head coach, I know, I know this is your son, and, you know, you're obviously proud of your son and the athlete he is, the quarterback he is, but... Uh, Strictly from a head coaching, you know, perspective, I'm interested on. Uh, I'm interested in learning about Tommy's leadership. Can you speak on his leadership? Yeah, um, I'm not sure where he learned to do all of these things. Maybe it was just because he had to help set up the field every day and help tear down the field. But uh, all those things that you hope your captain will do. And the things that you hope he doesn't do while trying to lead. Right. Uh, he checks all the boxes. And um, one story that really brought this home to me would be last, well, it's not last year's season. I guess it's two years ago now. No. So that year when uh, we are, had our first high school season, the inaugural year, and we were going into a playoff game, and I'd say it was two hours before the game. No, two hours before the end of school. I got a phone call from the principal of the school telling, telling me that several players were going to be suspended. Um, we already had a bunch of kids injured, and we already had two kids that were actually away. One kid left for the Philippines, of all places, oh, and the wow. other kid was getting a national award, so he couldn't make the game. By one coach's count, we were down nine starters. Oh, which stuff. So the kids that were not allowed to play, I'm trying not to say suspended, right, <laughs> the kids right. that were not allowed to play were on the offensive line. And so now we're also having to fill in receivers playing on the offense. And um, 
what Tommy did was after school, he got a team meeting together to do a walkthrough with all these new kids and then found out that the gym was being used. So found the band room was open and got permission to bring the team into the band room and do a walkthrough or run through in the band room. No, things didn't work out that night for us, Aaron. The kids played hard, but we were on the other end of the stick. But um, although that was a tough way to end the season, it was a great insight to your captains doing what they're supposed to do without being asked. Tommy, you know, about that, what made you do that? What, what made you get kind of galvanize the guys together and, you know, organize something on your own? Well, just about everything that could have gone wrong the day before the game went wrong. So we had to do, we kind of had to scrap together whatever we could to try to make it work. So we had safeties and receivers playing center. We were just trying to get something together before the game. Wow. And being a great 10 guy, you didn't find that intimidating to kind of like take the lead and get all your guys together. Did that ever enter your brain or is it just, I'm the quarterback, this is my job? Uh, the guys that I've been playing with last year, I've kind of, I've kind of been playing with them since I was like seven years old. So we're all really close, and it's not—it's nothing, nothing different. Awesome, I love that. You know, guys, uh, you know something similar is that my dad uh, coached me when I was growing up. Uh, I was fortunate that he, uh, a couple things. Number one, he coached uh, defense. My dad was a defensive back guy, so uh, he didn't necessarily coach me directly. Um, but even when he was the head coach, in, in some circumstances, when I was really young growing up, he did a really good job of kind of separating football and dad. Um, and I'm just interested in the dynamics of, of you guys working together. And, you know, you know, how is that relationship on and off the field? Is it any different? Do you, uh, do you struggle not to bring football home with you some days or, you know, and maybe Tom, I'll start with you. What do you think? Uh, no football is brought home into this house all the time. Okay. Uh, you know, football is like the family's third child or our family business, if you will. Um, and for the most part, I, you know, I could think of maybe one, um, I wouldn't even call it negative moment. I could think of one challenging moment. And uh, no, it's been great. The one challenging moment was actually very, very good for me as a coach. Um, this would have been maybe five years ago. We were a Bantam team, and we were a pretty good Sunrise Bantam team. And Tommy was a receiver, and we would bring him in to play quarterback and move our quarterback out to a wing. It was We were running a classic double wing, and it was a formation we wanted to bring in just to run it. And I remember we were having a practice. It was a late-season practice because we had the cars parked up along the side of the field with their lights on. Okay. That's classic Oak Bank practice football. <laughs> Happens all the time. Just make sure you don't run into the cars, kids. <laughs> and um, Tommy was under center, and he fumbled both snaps. And you know what I'm talking about, Coach, when it hits the quarterback's hands and it falls out. You never yell at the center, right? right? It's not the center's fault. And I lit into Tommy, and it was unreasonable what I was doing. And maybe somewhere in the back of my head, I felt that it was okay because he was my son and I was trying to show the rest of the team that he wasn't going to get any favoritism, but that's not what it was. I was frustrated. And we were cleaning up the field, and as usual, it was just him and I cleaning up afterwards. And he said to me, he said, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want this to be a big deal, but you don't need to yell at me like that. 
and coach, honest to God, I stopped in my tracks. And it was one of those, you know, come to come to a realization that you've got to do better as a coach moment. And um, I could yell at Tommy and I know I can get away with it, but things are different today with kids. We can't allow ourselves to take out our frustrations on them. We've got to be smarter coaches than we used to be Mm -hmm. or else we'll drive kids away from football. And maybe the good thing about that moment is I did it with my son who I knew would be coming back to football. That if any other kid, maybe I've driven him away from playing again. So that was a really good lesson for me to learn. Well, I I really like that coach. You know, you, you speak to a real honest point and just, the dynamics of uh, you know the culture of today and how to how to work with players and I've said this before but uh, I, I had some some coaches coming through the system where they were you know old school ish and uh, weren't afraid to tell you you know where you messed up and whatever but it wasn't really done in a nice way you know there was yeah. there there wasn't a whole lot of coaching going on it was more of a of a blame system or you know and I the way I look at it today is like those coaches were really taking out their frustrations on us kind of like what you said right yes. and how how unfair is that yeah it really is unfair and you know it, 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 there's no place for it anymore and there wasn't a place for it 20 years ago when I was playing it didn't work for me um and and you know I would consider myself you know an older guy now and it didn't work for me in my generation so I know it doesn't work today so I'm completely on board with that but kind of getting back to the family dynamics, Tommy, I'm interested in your take. What's it like, you know, on and off the field with dad? I think when I was really young, it was a little bit more challenging. Um, I think when I was around fifth grade is when I started to play quarterback. And um, when my dad told me I was going to play quarterback, he kind of laid down the rules. It's not dad, it's coach on the field. Um, and ever since that, I don't think there's really been any problems. Like in the heat of the game, there's always times when like one of us loses their cool. But like that's going to happen with any head coach quarterbacks. Yes. Um, but no, I think it's been pretty good. There's not a whole lot of bumps. And how about like, do you guys, in terms of the game, let's say there's a scenario, it's, you know, second and long, Tommy comes to the sideline and you guys are talking it out. Do you, or Tommy, are you telling dad what play we're calling or like, how does that work? You go ahead. Cause I've got the story to tell, but let him <laughs> okay, go good. first. Well, I think I would just call it a suggestion. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's time. There's times where I'm trying to show the numbers of what I want to be called on the on the field. Okay. My story to that is I don't remember who we were playing, but it was in Oak Bank. Maybe it was Churchill. Maybe it was Tech Vock. But Barry Berard, who's now over at Dakota, lives in Oak Bank, and he's kind of a close friend with us. And and uh, he also was on our coaching staff then. Mm-hmm. Tom came running over to the sideline. He said, "I want to run play 15." Okay. You know, we use a wristband system. Sure. I said, sure, go ahead and run it. And then Barry leans over to me and says, what's play 15? I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but if he wants to run it, let's give it a shot. I, I like the confidence. And yeah, if your quarterback's telling you what play to go with, I think he believes yeah. in it. So I, I don't know, but if he wants to run it, let's give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Back at it for the fourth quarter with Coach Gies, head coach Tom Walls, and QB1 from the Oak Bank Sabres, Tommy Walls. So, guys, uh, fourth quarter here. You know, uh, I want to talk a little bit about some some NFL. You know, Coach, you're, I know you're an Eagles fan, and uh, your boy Carson Wentz, he's now not with you guys anymore. He's with the Indianapolis Colts. 
Do you think that uh, Jalen Hurts is is ready to take the lead? Do you think that that's the plan? Oh, I don't know, but boy, that was a hard season to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, big Carson Wentz fans, there's a whole lot of reasons to like him, but, you know, if you buy an expensive car and you keep having to take that car back to the shop, sooner or later you got to realize there's something wrong with the car and you need to buy another one. Right. Uh, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the answer, but I think that by that end of the season, we were all convinced that Carson Wentz was not the answer. Well, I think that's fair. Um, Tommy, there's been a lot of uh, free agent signings in the last week or two. Uh, I'm happy last, I think it was yesterday, my uh, Steelers re-signed Juju Smith-Schuster to a one-year deal, so I'm happy to have him back. Who do you think in terms of some of the, the signings this past week, who do you think is like, going to be the most impactful for next year? I actually think it is going to be Juju because last year the Steelers had a really good start. Um, Juju started dancing on other teams' logos and it kind of created like a divide in the Steelers' locker room and they fell apart at the end of the season. Um, But it seems like this season he's going to take himself more seriously, kind of like he did in his rookie and sophomore year when he was the guy for the Steelers and he was a good leader. So I think if he can kind of help mend that locker room back together, it'll make a big difference for the Steelers. Yeah, it's so interesting, right? Because, like, I think initially when he was dancing early in the year and they were winning and everything was good, like, I don't think it came across as, like, an arrogant bad thing. But then kind of as things kind of started to kind of crumble and then he started to take heat for it and then, you know, kind of changed the perspective of how people look at him. But I think he's genuinely, like, a good guy. I think he, you know, he, he wants you know, his teammates to have fun. And I think that that's why he was doing it for, you know, for that reason, but just kind of got maybe a little carried away, but I really like that. And I hope, I hope you're right. I hope my Steelers are able to uh, get him the ball and and get their offense moving. Um, I want to play a little trivia game here with you guys. I want you guys, uh, it's kind of just random NFL quarterback ish trivia. I want you guys to work together. You guys ready for that? Sure. Okay. Okay. All right. So we'll start off. First question, I'm going to throw you a softball. How many laces are on a football? <laughs> He's been answering that question since he was in fifth grade. <laughs> What's the answer, Tommy? Uh, eight, right? Eight. You are right. That's funny. We were talking about that last night. I, I When Coach asked me, I, I almost had to go look for a ball. So, yeah. Okay, okay. That's good. So you guys are one for one. Um. How about this one here, Coach? I think this is a little bit more up your alley. Can you name the three QBs that took your Eagles to the Super Bowls? Yes, I can. Uh, okay, so uh, okay, so obviously um, not Carson Wentz, but his backup, Nick Foles, yeah. uh, Randall Cunningham, and, and Donovan McNabb. Randall Cunningham? Oh, 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 no, it wasn't Randall Cunningham. It was, gosh, Jaworski. Yes, Ron Jaworski. Ah, there you go. Nice. Good work. The Raiders in 1981. Oh, what yeah. an unfortunate Super Bowl. <laughs> you guys got pounded in that one. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. You got them awesome. Okay, okay. Um, all right. How about this? Um, how many, okay, how, name the three quarterbacks in NFL history that have won four Super Bowls? Brady, Montana, um, Bradshaw? Right. That's right. Three for three. Good job. Good job. Okay. Last one here. It's kind of Eagles. It's kind of, I think, Tommy, this might be up your alley. So 
In the Super Bowl, when the Eagles won, when they were playing the Patriots, second quarter, they're down by the goal line to go in. Nick Foles comes over to the sideline, and he suggests a play. It happens to feature him. What was that play called? Please, this is low-hanging fruit, Coach. You can do better than this. <laughs> I'm trying my best here. What's the answer? Said you want Philly, but the play is called Philly Special. Correct. Good work, Tommy. Check this out, Coach. This is really neat. Uh, opening game mm -hmm. of the next season for the Eagles. The giveaway was Eagles visors, but on the underside of the brim of the visor, yeah, they had stitched in the X's and O's of the play Philly Special. Really? How cool is that? That's very cool. That's awesome. Okay, you guys did awesome. You answered all those questions. That was great. Okay, Coach, we're getting towards the end here. I'm interested in uh, who is your favorite coach of all time and why? Who do you who do you like? Um, well, I, I'd probably put it down to three coaches, and I don't know if they're all that widely known. Okay. Um, Jeff Munkin at Army. Ken Neil Natalolo. Yes, that's right. <laughs> at Navy. Okay. And then Paul Johnson, who isn't at Georgia Tech anymore, but okay. he used to be. Right. Um, all they all ran flex option, or maybe not really triple option, but the option with the two wings. And I like the Army and Navy coaches because they ran an offense that really took advantage of the type of players that they have. And they didn't try to do what everybody else does. So that takes a lot of courage, right? But in a way, it didn't for them because they knew they didn't have Division One athletes. So they had to do something different. But Paul Johnson did it at Georgia Tech, mm -hmm. playing SEC for 10 years. And he had success. Eventually, he lost his job because of it. But that's a different level of courage altogether. Right. I mean, Coach, I know I don't have to tell you that as soon as things go wrong and you're doing something different, everybody blames what you're doing different oh, yeah. as the reason you're going wrong. So imagine Paul Johnson. Imagine being a Division One coach in the Deep South running option yeah. and have quarterbacks say, no, I don't want to go to your school because I'm not an option quarterback. Right. That man, that man had a lot of courage, and he made it work. So, yeah, that he's probably my favorite just for the courage of conviction. No, it's a great answer. I love I love the insight into it, Coach. And and Tommy, how about you? Who is your favorite quarterback of all time, and why? I think my favorite quarterback of all time is actually Brandon Whedon. Uh, oh. He bounced around in the NFL, but he was most known at Oklahoma State. Yep. Um, so he could have gone to the MLB. It didn't work out for him. Um, but he decided he was going to take his chances as a walk on at Oklahoma State, and he was going to try to beat somebody out for their job. Um, it didn't work out for him in the end in the NFL. But like, it's just a really cool story how he um was still able to make it work. Oh, it's a great story. And and he had, you know, maybe not a super lengthy career or major noteworthy moments, but he was in the NFL for a number of years, right? So speaks to the, the caliber of player and athlete he was, obviously, if he was wanted for baseball and for football. No, that's great. Um, okay, well, last thing here before we conclude, Tommy, uh, you've got an exciting announcement to make uh, about this spring. So I'm going to turn it over to you, bud. Uh, yeah, so because of the uncertainty of football in Winnipeg right now, um, for the spring season, I'll be going down to Philadelphia to play for Springfield High School. Um, 
Yeah, I leave March 28th. Okay. And you're going to go check that out for the spring and then kind of play it from there? Yeah, so after the spring, we'll reevaluate and see where I'm at. Awesome. And, Dad, how do you feel about that? Uh, I'm gutted by it. This has been really, really, really hard to do. But both his mother and I think it's the it's a great opportunity. He'll be living with my sister. Okay. 20 minutes outside of Philadelphia, and they're going to be going to an absolutely brand-new high school. They play AAA football. I'm sorry, not AAA. It's 5A football. Okay. And uh, the school has 1,500 students. So, you know, when we watch these movies and TV shows about American high schools and the way they're portrayed, that's where he's going. Um, let's let's give it a shot. Let's see what we've got, right? Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's not leave money on the table. No, I, I love it. Um, I'm really excited for you, Tommy. I think, uh, you know, like you said, based on, you know, uncertainty and where things are here locally, uh, I think, you know, you have a, a ton of talent. You can definitely play at the next level. And I think uh, getting a, a full grade 12 season would be amazing for you in whatever capacity you can get that. So uh, I think you're making a, a good decision to go check it out for the spring and kind of play it from there. Um, I want to conclude and, and just say thank you to both of you for being on. Uh, it's been awesome, you know, over the years to obviously work with you, Tommy, on the field and coach to get to know you a little bit more over the years. Um, and, and again, thanks for being on. I hope you guys enjoyed your time today. Thanks, Coach. This was great. And thanks for everything that you've done with Big Air. It's been really good for Tommy and really good for all of the Sunrise and uh, SCI kids who have come and joined. Yeah, and that's excellent, Coach. I appreciate that you're uh, expanding and, and, you know, reaching out with more of your players to come out to our camps and we get to work with uh, not just Tommy, but uh, some other members of your team. So that's been excellent. All right, guys, I'll, I'll let you go for the day. I know you guys have uh, you guys got a workout plan, so uh, I'll let you get to it. But uh, thanks again, and I appreciate you for being on. Okay. Thanks, take, Coach. Take care.